0: Thank you, Pastor Riggin, and praise the Lord, everybody. Wonderful atmosphere of the Lord's presence in this sanctuary on Friday night. I'm glad to know that God will show up when people will come to lift him high. We've come to magnify the name of the Lord tonight, and while we've been lifting him up, I feel lifted up because that's exactly what the Lord does. He lifts us up into His presence. He allows us to sit together in heavenly places with Him. And tonight, as we have taken time to worship the Lord and to exalt Him in these beautiful songs of worship and praise, the Lord has... Has come close to us and he's touched our hearts and and uh, you know when we get into his presence like this it's easier it's easier to submit our will to his will it's easier to empty out self and say Lord whatever you want for me what whatever you've got for me whatever you want for my life. I want to submit myself before you and thank God. Thank God it happens when we get into the presence of God. I do want to thank Pastor Riggin again for the invitation to come uh, and be here with you at New Life and thank God for the wonderful presence of the Lord that we enjoyed in the meeting last night and then again tonight. There's no telling what the Lord will do in meetings like this if we'll connect with heaven and uh, reach out for more of the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I do appreciate so very much the wonderful hospitality that has been Extended to us the comfortable room accommodations that have been provided and the uh, lovely basket as I mentioned last evening that has uh, good things in it and then also the enjoyable meals and fellowship that we have been able to spend together with Pastor and Sister Riggin. Amen. Well, Sister Smith, why don't you just uh, step up here and greet people and maybe just sing a song tonight before I turn our attention to the Word of the Lord. God bless Sister Smith. Appreciate her very, very much and appreciate what the, the Lord has uh, done through her life and, uh, and her willingness to share ministry with me over the past nearly 43 years. That we've been doing the work of the Lord together. Uh, I'll tell you how it happened. Uh, I I met her first of all. I had just turned sixteen in the month of May, and that very month I met her at a rally. She was visiting her brother in a part of the state where I lived, not where she was from, but a. Uh, different part of the state from her home and and uh, I met her there in a Friday night service and then later uh, in the summer when camp meeting was going on uh, she showed up at camp meeting and uh, I don't ever remember of her being at camp meeting before but she showed up and uh, supposedly she was there to help her brother and his wife take care of their children brother being a minister and being involved in the camp needed some extra help taking care of their children that week. But God had some other things in mind, I'm sure, and uh, she was asked to sing in one of the night services, so she came looking for the piano player. 16-year-old, tall, thin, young man that played the piano and she asked if i might be willing to practice a song with her and so for the past 46 years i've been practicing songs with sister smith amen love this woman god bless her
1: praise the lord again tonight isn't it wonderful to know jesus Isn't it wonderful to know that every day you get up, he's by your side? All day long, he's with us. When we go to bed at night, we can tell him how much we love him and walk with him. And through the night, we can trust him that he'll keep his hand upon us. Oh, I love him so much. He means everything to me. Let's give the Lord a word. Oh, saints, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. worthy.
0: I don't want to miss that for anything. Nothing in all this world do I want to get my attention and cause me to miss out on that coming of the Lord and being ready to meet Him. Amen. Praise God. Well, again tonight, a privilege to look into the Word of the Lord very happy to be here, as I've already stated, and I do believe that uh, we're in the will of God this weekend, and I do believe that God has wonderful things in store. It's in meetings just like this where God does his work, where he will minister to our hearts and our minds and And will direct us not only for the day and the week, but for the rest of our lives. It's in meetings just like this when I was a very young man growing up in church where the Holy Ghost reached down inside of me and gave me direction that would carry me for the rest of my days. And so I believe that the Lord has something in mind for us as we have gathered here in this Friday night meeting. The 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews provides a descriptive profile of various biblical characters commonly referred to by most people as heroes of the faith. In fact, as we read through the entire chapter, we repeatedly come across such terminology as by faith, through faith, in faith, And as the writer describes how these individuals persevered in the face of formidable circumstances and are now revered as overcomers. In verse number 39, we're told these overcomers obtained a good report. In verse 38 they're spoken of as people of whom the world was not worthy. Then the writer launches into chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews which I've chosen for a scripture text or setting this evening and Beginning at verse number one, this is what we read. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. By the way, these witnesses, speaking of the heroes of faith that are written about in the preceding chapter, chapter 11 seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us Notice verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, In the very next verse, we are admonished to consider him, that is, consider Christ Jesus, who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest we be wearied and faint in our minds. Let's thank God for His Word tonight. Thank You, Lord, for Your Word, already inspired, already anointed. Let it give such unction to us as hearers tonight. May the Word of God penetrate the barriers of minds and hearts. Help us that we would look to You tonight in this meeting and receive the direction the guidance that you have for every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you, you may be seated. I'm thinking about the words of an old song right now that simply says, and it's, it's uh, the wording is not good English. So it's a little difficult for me to to, uh, say it just like it's written, but that's how it's written. The songwriter said, I don't want nothing here to hinder me. Uh, I know that's not proper English, but I don't want nothing here to hinder me, for someday his blessed face I want to see. Songwriter said, it makes no difference about the cost or how heavy the cross. I don't want nothing here to hinder me. Throughout recorded history, countless people and situations too many to enumerate have appeared out of nowhere, it seems, or... Perhaps I should say they've shown up from everywhere. But always they've come with focused determination to hinder the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as a whole or the faithful people of God individually. Whenever Paul the Apostle wrote to the church of Galatia, which was a region of Asia Minor. He gave strong and pointed admonition in reference to those who were disrupting the work of God and hindering the saints there at Galatia. As a matter of fact, in the fifth chapter of this Galatian epistle, in verse number 12, Paul wrote saying, I would to God that all those who are troubling you with themselves be cut off. In view of such a strong remark that's part of inspired scripture, I want to preach tonight on the subject, cutting off the hindrances cutting off the hindrances to succeed in our everyday walk with God and to ultimately inherit the crown of life one day then of necessity we must be ever diligent in cutting off every hindrance to our spiritual climb. I am not a novice tonight. I have been associated with, part of, and involved in this apostolic way all of my life. I was born and raised in a home where my parents were already converted to apostolic truth before I came into this world. This is all I have known all of my life. And yet I promise you that throughout 62 years of living, I have had to cut off a lot of hindrances not only as a child and as a young man but as an adult even as a pastor a a preacher of the Word of God not only in younger years but even in recent times I've come to situations and circumstances that I've had to cut off because of the hindrance that such things would be to my spiritual walk or to my spiritual climb. Whoever the associate or friend may be, whatever the situation may consist of and wherever encountered along the path of life if indeed individuals and our circumstances of any nature are hindering our spiritual walk then they've got to be dealt with they have to be cut off if indeed their hindrances in our walk with God. Otherwise, we're not really serious enough about hearing the Lord say, well done at the end of the day. Instead, if we just kind of pacify such hindrances and and try to pet them and pamper them and maybe push them to the background then we're simply playing a little church game that in finale we'll be sure to lose you see sooner or later if we don't recognize our hindrances and cut them off then we will be adversely affected them as a matter of fact in time the enemy will most assuredly see to it that we stumble over hindrances left in the way I know what I'm talking about I know from many years of living in the church I've watched it, I've observed it with young people that I grew up with, Uh, young people that had the same privilege, the same opportunity that I had as a young man to embrace this apostolic message and to stand through whatever would come or go to endure to the end but unfortunately many of them are not walking with god and living for god today because they never dealt with their hindrances i speak also as a pastor of nearly four decades and i have observed with sorrow as wonderful people of God that I pastored did not properly deal with their hindrances and today as I look over my shoulder to yesterday and yesteryear many of them are casualties today no longer walking in the way of truth no longer victorious no longer uh, serving God and being pleasing to him. In many cases now their children are grown and know nothing about God, are not living for God. And all because one day when the hindrances were so obvious they didn't deal with them. They didn't cut them off as the Bible clearly tells us to do. That's why Jesus in the sixth chapter of Matthew and verse number 33 said to his disciples seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other necessities of life will be added unto you. That's also the moral of the wise man's proverb found in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 when he said, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Everything in life is affected by what goes on inside of the man or the woman. That's why we've got to guard our heart. That's why we've got to keep our heart. There are things I don't want in my heart, Pastor. I refuse to let some things be entertained even in my thoughts because they'll work from my thoughts to my heart, if you will. I've got to keep my heart. I've got to guard my heart. I've got to be sure that the heart is right with God. Of course, in verse 27 of this same proverb, in conclusion, the wise man said, turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. We must certainly uh, or we most certainly better put first things first. Attend to what really needs to be attended to. Uh, I have to recognize that some things that we make to be priorities aren't really the priority. but we need to put first things, First, Paul gave a straightforward challenge to fellow Christians in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. Whenever he said in verse 1, Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's what God wants from me. That's what God deserves from you that we would present ourselves a living Sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And then in the 8th chapter of the same book of Romans, verse 38, Paul used himself as an example to believers. As he said, I am persuaded or I am determined that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us or separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't want to get out of God's reach. Now, I know he can reach me wherever I'm at, but what I'm trying to get across tonight, I don't want to get into a place where that I'm beyond the touch and the presence of God. I want to feel that quickening of his spirit. I want to feel that conviction of the Holy Ghost that will stir inside of me. Someone said, oh, you know, when I... When a preacher gets up and preaches, and and I get to squirming, and I get to feeling uncomfortable. And there are those that down that. And they don't like it. I want to tell you, if there's anything inside of me uh, that needs to squirm, then I need a preacher to get in the pulpit and preach in such a way that i got to squirm, uh, that I've got to acknowledge uh, God's dealing with me and find an altar of prayer where I can empty out before God all over again and cut off uh, anything that's hindering my spiritual climb. Amen. Jude. In verse 3 of his short epistle, exhorted beloved brethren to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. In verse 4, he warned against those who would gain entrance secretly, subtly, by some side door, if you will. In order to pervert the true ways of God, I've seen that, Pastor. In my years of living, I've observed some people that could talk smoothly, people that seemingly could say the right thing in certain people's presence and say something different in maybe other people's presence they were entering secretly if you would they were they were they weren't coming with an honest motive but they came to deceive and so jude is warning to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints i said it last night i'll say it again this apostolic way ain't broke and since it isn't broke, there's, we don't need to fix it. Maybe we're broken at times, and no doubt we've got to be fixed at times. But this book and God's Word isn't broken, and it's right all the time. As people of God, every one of us must have a made-up mind if we're going to please the Lord and finish the Christian race in victory. Our hearts have got to be fixed. We, and when I say fixed, that means focused, that means steadfast. Uh, We mustn't allow anything or anybody to divert our attention or sidetrack our spiritual climb. As a matter of fact, it is an absolute essentiality to cut off everything that hinders. In the book of Isaiah chapter 50, a vivid prophecy is given concerning the Lord Jesus Christ who according to scripture is our elder brother and beyond question he is the greatest example of an overcomer that we can possibly look to prophetically It is said of him, verse 7, Isaiah chapter 50, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore have I set my face like a flint and shall never be ashamed. Amen. Notice, he said, I have set my face. Face like a flint in other words i'm not going to look to the left and i'm not looking to the right he set his face like a flint He was going to accomplish the mission for which he came. It's no wonder the apostle Paul gave such a strong challenge in the 13th chapter of Romans in verse 11, where he wrote about knowing the time. He said, it's high time. It's high time that we awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer. Than when we believed. Verse 12, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off, cut off, get rid of those works of darkness which are hindering And let's put on the armor of light. In other words, since the hour is so late, Paul said there is absolutely no time to fool around or to fool ourselves. We've got to cut off everything that hinders. As a matter of fact, in the very next verse, 14, he tells us, or he emphatically says, make no provision at all. Make no provision at all for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, we might as well recognize the day we're living in. The day that we're living in is such that, especially in our American culture, it's all about me. It's all about self. Hampering self Self has got to feel good. I mean everything has got to be easy and uh, you know, nobody wants uh, to carry much of a load and uh, you know, if there's an easier way to do it Let's find out where it is and and how to do it an easier way. You know what I'm talking about? But the truth of the matter is Paul said, don't make provision for the flesh at all. When we try to make everything easy for this flesh, we probably are setting self up for a fall. Because there's just something about it. Jesus said, if any man will be my disciple, did he say, let him find the easiest way? No, he said, let a man deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. I find constant encouragement in the scriptural record as I read about those who were diligent to cut off every hindrance. And now they're portrayed to us in the Word of God as overcomers. That encourages me. They dealt with the hindrances. They cut off the things that were hindering them, if you will. And now as we read about them and as we look to them as examples, they're overcomers to us. For example, in the Old Testament, we read about a faithful servant of God named Nehemiah who was repeatedly assaulted by the words and actions of men such as Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem. And they these men relentlessly sought to distract Nehemiah from his God-given purpose of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem reading from chapter 2 of his account in verse number 19 Nehemiah said Sambalat Tobiah and Geshem laughed us to scorn and despised us now you got to get the picture Nehemiah was leading the people of God in rebuilding the walls of the city and so they were there for the right purpose and it was a spiritual work if you will, albeit natural as far as as uh, rebuilding and repairing the walls and all but it was a spiritual work And yet these men, Tobias and Ballat and Gesham that we're uh, looking at here and talking about, Nehemiah said, they laughed us to scorn. They despised us. Then in chapter 4, verse 1, Nehemiah relates that Sambalat was wroth. And he mocked the Jews. Verse 3, Tobiah joined in the mockery. And he said, why? Even if a fox go up, he'll break down their stone wall." It was mockery. It was jeering. It was ridicule. It was—it was intended to uh, insult these people who were doing God's work. And in verse eight, Nehemiah said, "All of these men together conspired to work and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder our work." By the time we get to chapter 6 of Nehemiah's account it's most obvious that these wicked adversaries of God weren't about to back away from their devious plot to hinder God's people instead they simply changed their approach just like the enemy does today if he cannot defeat you on one front don't think he's just gonna leave you alone you might feel somewhat of a reprieve but if he can't whip you on one front he's gonna approach from another front And that's exactly what was going on here, chapter 6 and verse number 1, when Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem and the rest of our enemies heard that we had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein. Verse 2, they sought to do us mischief. Well, they'd been doing that all along. But now they're changing their approach according to verse 3. It was at this point that Nehemiah sent messengers to tell them, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I come down to you? And so I'm telling every child of God in the house tonight. You've just got to draw a line in the sand. You've just got to square your shoulders and be bold enough to look your enemy straight in the eye. Cut off everything and everybody that hinders you from doing the will and the work of God. That's what Nehemiah was doing. He drew the line in the sand. He squared his shoulders. He said, you go tell them I'm doing a great work and I'm not going to stop it to come down and talk to them. I want the devil to know I'm doing a great work. He may throw things at me. He may very well try to hinder me and try to confuse my thinking at times, but I want him to know I'm not stopping the work for him. Amen. Amen. That's important. You know, the 18th chapter of 1 Kings, there we find the prophet Elijah had a straightforward question for all Israel one day in verse 21, 1 Kings 18 and 21. He said, how long are you going to halt between two opinions If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. In other words, the man of God was telling the people of Israel, the time has come, you've got to cut off one or the other. And so it is even in our day. I've watched people vacillate between two opinions, back and forth, tug and pull. No, no, no. you got to cut off one or the other because if you don't, I promise you, the adversary is playing for keeps and he will do everything he can to subvert the truth and to cause you to go the wrong direction. I'm not being uh, at all... Uh, negative. I'm being realistic. I'm being truthful. Reading from Paul's epistles, it's most apparent that he faced and overcame countless hindrances in his quest to accomplish God's will and God's work. Of course, there were hindrances from within as well as from without. And in addition to all of these, Paul further declared in the second chapter of his first letter to the Thessalonians 1st Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18 he said Satan hindered us also so he's dealing with hindrances from within and hindrances from without and he's also expressing Satan himself has hindered us In like manner, there were obvious hindrances to the Galatian believers. As I briefly noted in tonight's introductory remarks, taking a closer look at this Galatian epistle, in the very first chapter of Paul's letter to them, and verse number six, Paul was very forthright in addressing them. And he said... In chapter 1 and verse 6 I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel and then notice in verse 7 he said not that there is any other gospel nevertheless there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ and I surely have seen that in my years of living but Paul declared in verse 8 though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached let him be accursed in other words Paul instructed the brethren to put a mark on such people you know, that, that's exactly what he was saying. You know, you, you, you need to know who they are. There are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But I want you to know, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, Paul said, let them be accursed. He was putting a mark on them. He was making it very, very plain. He said, They're anathema. Cut them off so they can't possibly hinder you anymore. I've seen that in my years of living, I've, I've witnessed it in my years of pastoring. I, I've watched such things take a toll on good people because there were those who were perverting the way of truth. Uh, They would make their innuendos. They would say things in such a way to sow seeds of question and, and seeds of doubt in young people's minds. And I remember one day, of course, what I taught for standards of Holy living in separation from the world when it came to dress why it didn't make some of the people in my area all that happy but I I I wasn't responsible for them I was responsible for me and mine and those that I pastored and so I drew lines where I drew lines and and uh, someone that had been part of our church and had been influential and had even served in leadership uh, went on to do other things in the work of God. And so one of our young people one day happened by the house where these other people lived. And uh, uh, wouldn't you know, now, the man didn't say it in front of me, but in front of innocent young people. He's questioning the sleeve length. He's questioning the way of dress. Is that really your conviction or... Is that Brother Smith's teaching? You know, it was asked in such a way to put a question mark in their mind. It was asked in such a way to, you know, they could say, well, that's that's my conviction. But then they're walking away scratching their head saying, but oh, Brother Smith didn't teach that to me. You know, in other words, I, Making them feel like, well, well maybe, maybe something's wrong, you know, maybe it's not right. I just want to tell you, you have to cut off whatever hinders. Because if you don't cut off the hindrances, then you leave the seedbed for the enemy to cause havoc in your vineyard, to cause problems in your spiritual climb. You know, that, when we read what Paul was writing here in this uh, first part of Galatians to the Galatian church, I want to tell you in chapter 1, it wasn't the finale of Paul's remarks about such a matter. No, sir. Paul refused to stop hammering the subject. As a matter of fact, as we read the entire Galatian epistle, we can't help but notice that Paul wouldn't back up. And furthermore, he wouldn't shut up about such an important matter because there was an obvious problem in that Galatian church. Thus, in the third chapter, of his letter to them he got right to the point and he said in chapter 3 and verse number 1 oh foolish Galatians now that would really offend some people today it would uh, be an affront To some people that call themselves apostolics and so forth however he he wrote to them and said oh foolish Galatians who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth and then in verse 3 he asked them are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are you now going to be made perfect by the flesh verse 4 have you suffered so many things in vain clearly he was telling them uh, it's time to get the scapel out it's time to cut off the the people Or to cut off the situations cut off whatever it is and whoever it is uh, that's bewitching you furthermore he queried are you going to be foolish and mess up now Uh, you know you started well are you gonna miss up are you gonna mess up and miss out now after suffering so many things for the sake of the gospel Is it all going to be in vain now? Then whenever we get to the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians, we find Paul back on the same subject all over again. In fact, in verse 7, he told them, You did run well, Galatians 5 and 7. You did run well, but who is it that hindered you that you should not obey the truth? Uh, one translation puts it this way. You were running the race so well. Who interfered? Who is it that stopped you? Then in verse 8, he carefully pointed out, this persuasion to turn aside certainly hasn't come from God. Remember, he said in verse 9, it only takes a little leaven to leaven the whole lump. In other words, just a slight deviation from truth by allowing just one false teacher among you, the entire church can be corrupted is what he was telling them. Just one person with wrong influence can affect or infect a whole lot of other people, causing them to turn aside. And so then he said in verse 12, I would to God that they were all cut off that trouble you. That's why he said it because he knew how serious the situation was. He knew it was a matter of life or death. It was a matter of heaven or hell. And so after walking all the way down through this epistle and dealing with the subject of those that were troubling them and perverting the truth and and causing disruption, he then said, I would to God they were cut off. Amen. Amen every last one of them please understand the word of God records too many accounts of failure and obvious consequences for us to simply bury our heads today and pretend that we're not facing some serious hindrances in this end time hour Have you ever wondered how or why Demas forsook the Apostle Paul? I know the Bible tells us, Paul says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. But could it be that whenever various worldly temptations arose, that Demas simply wouldn't cut off his love for this present world. He was Paul's helpmeet. He was a fellow laborer. But now, Paul said, he hath forsaken me. I, I I just feel in my spirit that Demas wouldn't cut off the hindrances until they got him, until they took him down a wrong road. What could I say about Balaam, a man who loved and according to what we read in the scripture, he really wanted the reward of the wicked. Very much so. First of all, Balaam was given every chance to escape God's displeasure and do the right thing. Yet he repeatedly refused to cut off incumbent hindrances. What happened? He got him. He could have cut him off. Every opportunity to deal with those hindrances, but, but he wanted the reward of the wicked and since he wanted the reward of the wicked he was trying to find a way to get it you know you know he wanted to say i'm doing what god wants me to do but i want the reward that the that that balak is going to give me no you can't play that game You can't have it both ways. David Smith can't have it both ways. We have to make a choice. There has to be a cutting off of everything that hinders us because if we don't cut off the hindrances, the hindrances are going to get us. What about the man of God from Bethlehem, Judah? The man who was sent to Bethel with a message for King Jeroboam. Have you ever wondered or pondered the thought of how this good man was tragically killed by a lion before he ever arrived back in Bethlehem, Judah? You see, a man who already knew the right thing to do turned a deafened ear to what God had told him, and he failed to cut off the influence of a man who was no more than a stranger to him. I know the man told him, I'm a prophet like you are. I know the man told him, God said, it's okay for you to come back with me and refresh yourself. But the truth of the matter is this young man from Bethlehem, Judah, had already heard from God. He had already repeatedly stated, I cannot turn aside here. I cannot I cannot stay here. I've got to go back home because he'd heard from God. But you see, he listened to the voice of a man. He was influenced by one who was no more than a stranger to him. And only too late did this young man learn that the old man who claimed to be a prophet was actually a liar and thus a poor substitute for the voice of god don't ever take anything to be above this god has elevated his word even above his name that does not diminish his name that does not in any way Uh, lower the power the the greatness of his name but to show you how high and lofty god's word really is he has he has lifted it above his name. And so I want to tell you tonight, it won't matter who the man is. It won't matter what kind of charisma he has. It won't matter how, how well he can paint a word picture. If he's saying anything that deviates from God's word in any way, don't believe it don't accept it stand up on your hind legs and say i'm not about to swallow it that's not to be disrespectful that's to tell you you gotta cut off everything that hinders because if you don't there's tragedy in the making that's exactly what happened to that man who came from bethlehem judah he should have Cut off the word of that man because it contradicted what God had already told him. I'm talking about people who've been ruined because of hindrances, great or small, and more than that, I'm trying to tell everyone in the house tonight it's time to cut off everything that's hindering you. What could be said about the demise of Adam and Eve? I won't go into it. How about the tragic end of Ananias and Sapphira? I don't have time to go into it. Or what should we conclude about men named Hymenaeus and Alexander whom Paul delivered over to Satan so they'd learn not to blaspheme? In all honesty, The Word of God contains a lengthy and pitiful list of people that God truly wanted to do something with. Yet every single one of them that got bogged down with hindrances faced a tragic outcome. And unfortunately, even till this day, the list continues on. on because there are people who simply refuse to cut off the hindrances that hold them back from pleasing God I guess it's no wonder that Jesus words are so very pointed even hard to swallow as he said in Matthew 5 and 29 if Your eye offends you. Pluck it out. That's that's hard to swallow, isn't it? But he didn't stop there. In Matthew 18 and verse 8, he said, If your hand offends you, cut it off. He didn't stop there. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 45, he said, If your foot offends you and cause you to stumble, get rid of it. So if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot offends you and causes you to stumble, get rid of it. You see, the Lord knew it would be far better for people, for us, to go to heaven halt or maimed than to be cast into hell fire whole. For in hell, he said, their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. I really believe that someone in this house tonight needs to get the sword of the Spirit in your hand I'm talking about the sword of God's infallible, unchanging Word and we need to start cutting. Right now is the time, the time that you need to cut off everything that hinders you from living for God and doing His will. I'll just tell you saints, and, and I know you're good people. and. Please don't think Brother Smith has come here with a negative voice tonight. I've come here with a message on my heart because I've lived for God down through the years and I've pastored for many years and I've seen good people come and go. People that this week from the surface appeared to be doing very well and next week they were gone. But people don't backslide overnight. They don't change their mind about God in the snap of a finger. Sometimes it's a lengthy process, you know, and hindrances come and they just push it back. they should get the knife out and cut it off because if you don't cut off the hindrances the hindrances are gonna get in your way and cause you to stumble by the grace and help of Almighty God I refuse to allow anything or anyone to disrupt my walk with God and cause my eternal soul and the souls of those whom I love so dearly to be forever lost. I look back into my boyhood days and and I'm the youngest of five children. My, my oldest brother, now deceased, was nine years older than I am. And, and then my next brother to him is seven years older than I am. And, and that second brother, when he was a teenager raised in the same home I was raised in, he could play a saxophone until it would, you know, it just, it would talk, it seemed like. He could just play it. But he had uncles that weren't in the church that he worked for and and uh, you know i grew up on the coast of maine and and uh, in those years and days we didn't know anything about christian school or home school and he went to government school and and uh, by the time he was in his later teens he was backslidden oh yeah he lived in our home he had to go to church he had to be there every service. The doors were open. But he was backslidden in heart. And uh, his life hasn't been a, uh, a good overcoming life, I can tell you. I'll never forget when I was just a boy. He was now uh, out of high school and had his own uh, car and had his own commercial fishing boat and but I remember walking into a little store one day and my brother was standing at the counter with a six pack of beer paying for it. It felt like someone took a knife and cut my heart out because that was my brother and I certainly didn't expect him to be doing something like that and, and I'm not tearing him down I'm just telling you uh, He's lived a a wild and a rough life, and his health now is broken. He's only 68 years old. In fact, uh, at 68 years of age, if he walked from that back door to the front of this church tonight, he'd be panting for breath, you know, and... uh, he still tries to work on the boat, but he pretty much has to sit down to do what he's doing. I, I'm not attacking him. I'm just telling you, he didn't cut off the hindrances, and the hindrances got him. He's been through three marriages, and, and I don't know how much more uh, debris in his life. And uh, uh, you know, he, He's a kind-hearted man, but he's, but he's not right with God because he left hindrances in the way as a young man. And and when hindrances get in the way and you don't cut them off, then another hindrance gets added to it. And then another hindrance gets added to it. You know, if I was, and I was in town there not too many weeks ago, I had just a short stop in Maine. I had to go attend to some things, and when he heard I was going to be in town and be at church that night, he came to church. He felt the hand of God touch his life, but but he's not where he needs to be with God because of hindrances of so many years that have caused such problems in his daily living and his life. And the stories go on and they go on and they go on of people that you know and people that I know that we could talk about not to demean them, but as examples for you and for me to understand the importance of of cutting off everything that hinders. I can honestly tell you that I have absolutely no regret about the things I've had to cut off in my years of living for god in fact even as a preacher pastor i look back to some years ago i was in a conference one of my dearest friends a man that he and i would uh preach for each other and and uh uh, you know I, i considered him one of my closest friends in the world and yet i remember at that conference a certain subject came to the floor and and the lord so moved on me that i got up and i began to speak with passion tears running down my face as i addressed the danger of the subject and uh, and how that uh, we as apostolics needed to Uh, just stay clear of things of that nature. And the next speaker to get the floor was my good friend. And he took the opposite side, the opposite position. In fact, he addressed every point that I addressed only from the negative stand. And when I walked out of that conference that day, I knew it was parting time not party time, parting time. There had to be a separation because if he truly felt the way he felt as he spoke, then he wasn't on the same path I was on. And I would have to cut off whatever might hinder my spiritual climb. And so I did. Are you sorry for doing it, Brother Smith? No. I have no regret Because as I look today at where he is and where I am, not that I'm better than anybody else, but I've seen a major difference in the direction he went. But I'm still on the course that I set years ago or that God set for my life many years years ago I'm still safe in the bosom of the church I'm still in the place that God intends for me and if I'm faithful in my walk with God and in my work for him then one day I'm going to wear a robe and a crown and I'm gonna walk on streets of gold with Jesus Christ and all the overcoming saints of the ages it's going to be worth every mile it's going to be worth every trial it's going to be worth everything I've had to cut off just to cross that finish line in victory and to hear the Lord say well done thou good and faithful servant stand with me Hallelujah by the help of and the grace of God, someone help at the music. I'm going to keep on cutting off all that might hinder me, even in the days to come. As a matter of fact, in consideration of the vivid examples of so many others who've already finished the course, with God's help, I'm determined to follow the admonition Of tonight's scripture text found in Hebrews 12 and 1, where the writer said, let us lay aside every weight. Let us cut off every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. I'm going to keep running with patience the race that's set before me. I'm looking unto Jesus. I want to be looking in the right direction i want to be looking toward him whether you're a young person tonight whether you're an adult if you're here as someone who's been in the church for a number of years or you're here as a newcomer just to hear this preacher tell you tonight you gotta cut off the hindrances Whatever is hindering you, cut it off. How do I do it, Pastor? How do I do it, Preacher? You do it in a place of prayer where you empty your heart out before God, where you let Him know, Lord, I'm not going to let anything get between me and you. I'm not going to let anything separate me from the love of God. And I feel conviction in the house tonight. In fact, I could deal with things that I, I don't even need to name. God's already dealt with some in this meeting about situations that you've been wrestling with, toying with. And, uh, you know, the enemy's been trying to plague you with certain temptations and thoughts and desires. What you need to do tonight is get out the sword and cut them off just cut them off. Paul said I would that they were all cut off that hinder you Galatians. And so as I open this altar tonight I wonder if there's somebody right now that would just obey the Holy Ghost. Just obey the conviction of the Spirit of God upon your heart and and tonight take care of the situation. Take care deal with it don't pacify it don't just pamper it and toy with it deal with it take care of it I'll never forget the day that uh, one of my children came into my office by my request I wanted to talk to him and and, uh, his heart was set on a certain young lady and I just looked at him point blank and said she's not the one for you wasn't trying to be mean I was just being honest and I've come to tell you tonight there are times you got to get right down to the nitty-gritty and you got to cut off whatever's got to be cut off so in this altar of prayer tonight if you'd feel to talk to God about anything you can take care of it right here in a place of prayer it won't be the same when you walk out of the doors tonight because when you respond to the tug of the holy ghost when you respond by emptying your heart and submitting to god in full surrenderance then god gives you the power the power of the holy ghost to be victorious to be an overcomer to be pleasing in the sight of god To make your way to that grand finale where you can hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. God bless you tonight. Let's take time to seek the faithful.